we're going to be positive every day. You're the people being negative. You and some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yashramski booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Episode 61 of Entitled Town. Uh, the three horsemen of the apocalypse are here. Uh, not counting myself. John is here. Shaq is here. And Scartelli is here. And 35 to nothing, uh, the Patriots defeated the Eagles in preseason game number two. Scartelli, the despicable Philadelphia Eagles, I might add. Uh, what did you like about the 35 to nothing win in Philly? Anytime you win a game 35 to nothing, there's going to be a lot to like. You have. Uh the running back cubicle farm that is a great uh, that is going to be something to look at once the uh once the games start to count in the standings you had a couple of uh tip drill interceptions from the defense mm -hmm. some people like oklahoma drills patriots fans like tip drills good point shack uh your thoughts of, of the uh, devastation in philadelphia yeah one of the things i want to just uh cut cut right to the chase by saying is there are people who were just poo-pooing this win and saying, oh, the Eagles sat their starters. They didn't, uh, the Patriots played against second and third stringers. Well, so did the Patriots. And the Patriots played their second and third stringers too. And, you know, they were, I believe they were up, up 14 to nothing when the, the uh, starters went. So <laughs> that's, that's another, what, 15 or 20 points that's accounted to the backups. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't, we'll, we'll get we'll get to how the Eagles in practice relates to that right, in a minute. Right. But as far as this game, uh, there's a lot to like. I first of all, I hate hearing these so-called pundits talk about the lack of wide receivers. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Kendrick Bourne, and Jacoby Myers in particular. That's a solid trio. Um, I feel like none of these people watched the Raiders or 49ers game last year. And again, all of this talk about Nelson Aguilar with the, you know, he, oh, he can't catch, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, he had seven touchdowns for the Raiders last year. So I think it's pretty, uh, it's pretty decent there. And, um, but also, I, uh, the, I, 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 I do want to say something about uh, Van Noy and Hightower. Um, they were a huge part of that 2019 defense. Having both of them back, and we saw them last, last, yep, um, yep, agreed. last week. It shores up the edge in the middle of the defense, and we all know how overmatched they were last year at that end of the of the defense. Um, it was painful honestly, last year watching them not be able to get off the field. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really painful. And also uh, Matthew Judon for the second week in a row, uh, he's just so fun to watch. And uh, you know there were a lot of people complaining about oh how he is an overpay, which it's crazy how you can judge somebody being overpaid when he signs a contract. But I think there's going to be a lot of quiet people when he starts to play regular season games. I, I think he's, he's probably going to, he might be the best uh, pickup this off season because in the first play, 
he stripped former Raven who plays for the Eagles, Joe Flacco, and Patriots, and Matthew Judon is a former Raven, and the ball was recovered by a former Eagle who plays for the Patriots, Jalen Mills. I never so, get tired of seeing jump ball Joe get strip sacked, intercepted, <laughs> what have you. There's something of John created the alternate reality where Joe Flacco is a Hall of Famer and multiple Super Bowl winner, God forbid. I'd also like to add it's it's very impressive what Jacoby Myers is doing considering how diminutive he is. It's tough to be diminutive at six foot two and two hundred pounds, but that's the world we live in. John, what did you like about the the Philly Patriots game? Well, I, I don't know why everybody is so excited. The, I regret to inform you the Patriots record falls to 0-2-0 zero, zero with their win on Thursday, uh, considering they lost the week of practices. Uh, so they have, yet to, they have yet to get a win in that column. Um, the, the, I, I agree with what Shaq was saying. The uh, defense is so deep, right? And I know the Eagles fans were making a big deal. A lot of their starters didn't play. But the second half, the Patriots – annihilated that team I mean it was it was absolute annihilation and I think it speaks to the depth on the defensive especially on the defensive side of the ball for the Pats but you can't you can't not mention Cam uh Cam I thought looked outstanding in his two series uh you know the ball was coming out with you know pretty good tempo really really good velocity it looked like you know just watching it on tv um guys were getting open Shaq was talking about the wide receiver depth I agree with that it's a lot better than people seem to think plus of course don't forget the tight ends which you know deepens the receiver's room, uh, if you will. The the seventeen play drive that Mac Jones led, I thought was a thing of beauty. Uh, Mike, I know you were watching it with your pants off, but I'm not going to get any more graphic <laughs> than that. Um, the, the, there's one there's one sequence though that I think a few folks pointed out on on Twitter. Some of the guys who are really great about sharing video clips, which I really really enjoy. The guys that do that, um, you know, day of the game, night at you know the morning after the game. Um, there was that sequence early in that drive where uh, second and 13, uh, Jones throws the ball over the middle. It's deflected by the Eagles linebacker. And it looks like, you know, the guy got pretty good, pretty good hands on it. The next play was the one where Jones gave that little shoulder shake to the left mm-hmm. and then came back kind of a little bit more toward the middle. Nikhil Harry was wide open in the middle of that zone. Jones had a huge throwing window. And if you watch those two plays back to back, you see that Jones seemed to kind of look his guy down uh, over the middle, right, allowing that linebacker to kind of adjust to the ball and get a hand on it. The very next play, it, you know, just it really looked Brady-esque. And I think one of the guys on Twitter kind of showed that completion against Jacksonville, uh, that I think it was that third and long completion to about midfield where they're going, you know, left or right on the screen. And it was just, it just looked, and you know, we all know Mac Jones has modeled his game after Brady. And just watching that sequence there, you see this young guy, you know, really, he looks like he's just going to be phenomenally talented. Two other quick things. I know this podcast is pro Sony Michelle. I am so I am pro Sony Michelle. I thought he looked outstanding. Be, people seem to still think, well, the running back room is, running back room is deep. Um, clearly, they should trade Sony. I, I'm not sure I'm buying that. I really think there's a spot on this team for Sony Michelle. The way he, you know, we know he does little things extremely well. The way he's catching the ball, um, to me, yes, you yes. Know, he, he looks like, you know, he could be that third down back, right? So what they do with, with Sony, I think, will be interesting. I really hope they keep him. Last thing, I haven't seen a lot of people talk about the special teams. Um, Jake, you know, they, they've got Jake Bailey hitting those pop-ups to the coffin corner, trying to drop him in between the goal line and the five. I wonder if they're going to do that all season. You know, if the if the they're so strong on special teams as we all know, the the willingness and the ability for the Patriots to hit those sort of and cover those kicks 
and pin teams inside their 20 with consistency. It's just one of those little things that Belichick does so well. Mm -hmm. A lot of teams are going to be content blasting out of the end zone and giving teams the ball on the 25. I don't know if Belichick's going to be content doing that. I think he's going to try to get these guys pinning teams inside their 20 and making them go just that little bit further. So we'll see if they do that again against the Giants uh, this coming week. I like that point, the extra five yards with the touchback, that sort of thing. And if Bailey, and Bailey is good at that, and that means they're confident in their coverage teams. Maybe they don't do that against somebody with an explosive returner. I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head, but that's certainly in play. And you kind of stole what I was thinking there, John. Seeing Sony Michelle involved in the passing game was just, it adds another dimension to it. Seems like Brady didn't trust him and Cam yeah. was throwing, the, rocketing the ball at his feet last year. But I think that's potentially something something to look at. I, and Cam, can Cam I, played great. Go ahead, Shaq. And can I add something about Sony Michelle? Uh, people don't really take into account the fact that he had a quad injury last season. And since he's come back from that, he's looked fantastic. And I think people need to understand that the way he's looked, and especially from catching the ball out of the backfield, it just he's, he showed soft hands his sophomore and junior year at Georgia. And yes. I think the Pats feel more comfortable using him in that role, and he looks good in it. And I'm, that's exciting for me because it, it just, like you said, it adds another dimension that it's, it, it, makes the, it makes the entire offense indefensible when you have yeah. something like that. Yeah, and I think we've pointed this out, or I have, probably too much, is that people are, seem to be obsessed with the, the numeric labels of w, wide receiver one and wide receiver two. You can throw the – no one has been better in the past two decades of throwing the ball to the tight ends, the backs, the receivers, than the, the McDaniels and Brady's offense. And I don't see any reason that's not going to continue, especially when Jones takes over, whenever that may be. So, no, again, nothing bad from it from what you saw, except for some people who wanted to harp on Ramondre Stevenson's fumble, but 35 to nothing, big win. The running back room, as we like to say, is loaded. Well, Stevenson got himself unstapled to the bench after that. He was, you know, out there the next series, basically. So yeah, he I don't didn't think get that. He, he was, didn't get this, uh, no, no Stephen Ridley for him. Right. Yeah. And uh, if there's a uh, vaccination for the yips, I hope uh, Quinn Nordine gets it. He had himself mm-hmm. oh, a, yes. uh, a, rough, a rough start to the game, but I think he, uh, I think he straightened himself out at the end there. But what can you do? What can you do? Just things happen sometimes. Yeah. I'm not comparing Quinn Nordine to Adam Vinatieri, but there was a point in Adam Vinatieri's rookie season where it looked yeah. like Matt, he was going to hit the road and Matt Barr was going to be coming back. Matt Barr yeah. with his, at that point in his career with maybe a top range of about mid 40 yards. But yeah. uh, again, first world problems in the running back room and, We'll see what happens when they play the Giants uh, next Sunday um, in the last game of the preseason, the traditional last game of the preseason against the Giants. Uh, Shaq, Shaq put some aids on our, t- our Twitter timelines this week with a reporter <laughs> out of WIP in Philadelphia. His name is Elliot Shore Parks. And this was tweeted during the game. Um, it has the cadence of a Ben Volan tweet. If I didn't tell you this was Elliot Shore Parks from uh, Philadelphia, it sounds like a bowling. This is his tweet. Quote, the Patriots are playing like a team that needs to end this trip to Philadelphia on a good note. The Eagles are playing like a team that already won the snaps that mattered during the week. Scoreboard be damned, Shaq. The Eagles won through his, uh, his subjective eye. Who are you going to believe? The scoreboard or his lion eyes? You know, and it's funny because the announcers for the Eagles, they were actually uh, 
parroting this point and they were saying that the Eagles, you know, they didn't need to give any effort and they just were able to lay down because they won the week in practice and the Eagles, you know, they didn't need to do anything. So the Patriots were the ones that were up against the wall. So they had to blow them out so that they can get give extra effort. That that that's what that's what the 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 Eagles media was telling themselves throughout the week. And this Elliot Short Parks guy, that was that was the tweet during the game. But during the two days of joint practices, he continued to go on. And if you follow, if you were following um, in real time as the as the practice was happening, it, like for example, he he tweeted out something like, "Eagles starting defense has been shutting down the Pat starting offense all practice." not even close, and then contract that to Patriots reporters who are saying that <laughs> Matt Jones was 11-13, he had a near end, the best connections were Jones' deep balls to Nelson Aguilar, so it's, you know, something's not adding up there. Are you, are you lying, or are you just, just being contrary just for, to entertain your audience, which I get. You have to know your audience but boy, don't lie to them. And that's basically what he was doing the entire time. And even so much that uh, less guys like Les Bowen was calling him out on it. And usually a guy like that is very mild mannered and 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 he he's pretty generic. But this it seemed like it seemed really weird and obvious that he's just misleading his audience. And again, we were talking about this before the show. Uh, when you work for a company like Odyssey clearly misleading your audience is part of the contract that you sign. The name change from Intercom to Odyssey was putting lipstick on a pig. John, would you call, um, let me get his name right, Elliot Shore Parks, would you consider him a honk, a bobo, a footy pajama wearing eagle toady? You know, I delusional is the word. I was familiar with him because a while ago, he put out one of the most ridiculous tweets I've ever seen. And he said something to the effect of, you know, I believe I could, you know, in an NBA game, I could score a bucket. I could, in a football game, I could score a touchdown. I could luck into a home run in a major league baseball game, Jesus. but I could never, I could never score a goal in hockey. And I'm like, you, you look at this guy and you're like, dude, you couldn't score. You couldn't score in the Eastern football league, right? You couldn't score at Revere beach at 2 AM at a crab shack. Like <laughs> you, you, this, you're not scoring anywhere, dude. Like, come on. You know, it's like, it, it's, he it was so like, so when I saw his tweets and I remember, I was like, Oh, I know this guy. I remember this guy. Right. It put everything in perspective. Right. Then I, then I had to look up though. Cause I could have sworn this guy writes for the Philadelphia sports journal, but no, he, he doesn't. <laughs> he, he, He's he bizarro bedard. <laughs> Yeah, he does. He doesn't. He actually does work for Intercom. Shaq, are you uh, going to say something? Go ahead, Shaq. I, I was going to say uh, you put you you had a tweet that pointed out that his bio is to tell you everything you need to know about him. A bad take is better than no take at all. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that tells you everything you need to know. That, that that tells you everything you need to know. And, and actually, so I've already done some research on: is there a Giants beat writer we can trust? Right? You know, they're going into practices this week with the Giants, and I found this one guy who writes for the Athletic, who I'm hoping is pretty good. Dan Dugan, D Dugan, twenty one, uh, Giants beat writer for the Athletic. So I, I've, I'm following him. I'm hoping he'll give us some decent content from the from the flip side. But I'm really glad we're done with with uh, young Elliot there who, who, you know, thinks he could hit a home run in a major league baseball game and can't quite get, you know, team scrimmages uh, correct for his audience. 
Well, I think, John, you're, you're leaving out somebody who's very ob obvious. He's a New York area-based reporter, and he's starring in his own version of a movie called The Uncredentialed, the great <laughs> Manish Mehta. Oh, yeah, there you go. Scartelli, uh, <laughs> your thoughts on this delusional media out of Philadelphia? The, the complete disconnect between what, the, what our local uh, scribes were describing in the, uh, in the joint practice, which I guess, uh, I guess eagles are going to commission a statue of. That's be something <laughs> that they do. But any which way, this reminds me of uh, the Baghdad Bob character from the yep. Persian Gulf yes. War. Where he'd come out and just say the most amazing, oh, yes, we've, uh, you know, we've thrown back the American forces. Their, their tanks are burning into the night kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. You're scratching your head, looking at the CNN video going, it's not that <laughs> happening at all. That's been, a, that's been a Mike favorite for 20 years, Baghdad Bob. I think you, you must put that on your, on your timeline at least once a quarter. It's either that or the Sam Malone groin injury picture. It's, <laughs> that's right up there for me. All right, so that's putting a bow on that. 35 to nothing and and we're on to the giants um john john and i talk often about we list, we're listeners to mike lombardi's gm shuffle podcast and i think we all saw in the past couple of weeks that lombardi was at patriots camp um he was photographed and shown talking with bill belichick his son is on the patriots coaching staff mike lombardi i believe is a wide receivers coach um i've got a clip here from the gm shuffle with michael lombardi and adnan Verk. Um, regarding rookie quarterbacks in different situations, including, of course, Mac Jones. Yeah, I, I, here, here's the dilemma coaches have, and, and I and I've been critical of Nagy, and I get it. But there's certain situations. If you put Fields out there, right? If you start him week one, if you start Lance, if you start Mac Jones, if you you know Zach Zach Wilson and Lawrence, there's no there's no looking back, right? They're going to build a team, and they don't play well. Now, are you willing to come sit him on the bench? And then put the other guy in. Like, if you're Belichick, do you put do you put Mac in to start the season? And then if Mac struggles and doesn't look good, are you going to bench him? And then how do you get him back again? How do you renew his confidence? You're better off being patient. You're better off letting the crops in the field grow. You're better off letting it have a little bit more uh, time to to sink its roots. And, and to me, I think Fields is no different than Lawrence and Wilson. Their team isn't good enough. Their team's not going to compete. I mean, they just signed Jason Peters, A.D. Jason Peters is broken down. He's 39 years old. They lost their left tackle, Tevin, to the kid they drafted. They were counting on him to be a starter. He's got back surgery. Backs and offensive linemen, not a good combination. So I think that it's interesting to note that he's kind of making a line, John. He's drawing a line between Jones and the other quarterbacks. Um, basically what he's saying to me is those guys should play because they're the teams aren't very good. The point with Mac Jones, I'm not sure I agree, but I thought this was going to be a good, a good point to discuss during the podcast because obviously he's plugged in with the Patriots organization. Yeah, it's I like his podcast a lot. Uh, it doesn't mean I agree with everything he says, right? But it, I just find this podcast interesting. And like you said, his, his son's the receivers coach and he's plugged in with the team. So um, good friend of Belichick. The, I, I, the way the point was made, and I didn't hear Ted Johnson's comments because, you know, for obvious reasons, right? I mean, who did? But the, the, the fact that it was covered in the media and the way it was portrayed, I thought was a little bit um, inaccurate. Uh, it, it was like they, they made Lombardi out to, to single out Jones and say it was safer 
to put Jones on the bench. And I just don't see it that way because, first of all, I think Belichick's going to make the, the decision that's right for the team. It's what he's done for 20 years. Mm-hmm. He talks about, you know, it's all about the team. He's going to put the team in the best position to win in week one. And if Mac Jones is the guy that's going to put him in the best position to win in week one, he's going to play Mac Jones, right? I don't think he – he's not a coach who's coaching for his job. He's not a coach who's, you know, trying to establish himself in the league. I think some young coaches maybe get caught up in that sort of thinking. He will do what's right for the team. Now, the Patriots are unlike – this is the point you're making, Mike – they're unlike teams like uh, the well, the Bears. I think it, the, you know Dalton is, is clearly kind of past his his shelf life. Uh, the Jaguars, obviously, they've got everything invested in Lawrence, and the and the Jets have no competition for Zach Wilson. I mean, really, no competition. So they got to go with him, right. and that's the point Lombardi's making. Lance and Jones, though, you've got two established, very very talented NFL quarterbacks. I know Cam struggled a lot last year, but he's still an accomplished NFL quarterback. And Garoppolo, of course. And I think the point he's making is those are two good teams, right? The Bears ready to win, ready to win, and you're not. You're why would you? Why would you go with the lesser of the two? Like you don't have to do that. You want to win games, and and you'll put the guy in when he's ready. So it's not about being safe as much as it's you. You play to win the game, and you've got to. You know, I think a lot of people, certainly I do, believe the Patriots are a playoff team, and. You know, Cam Newton gives you – if Cam Newton gives you the best chance to win in week one, you play Cam Newton. You're not – you don't have to overthink this. And I think there's a there's a little bit of that. They hear the, the Lombardi pod. They single out the, you know, the, the name Mac Jones. They don't put it in the bigger context of the point Lombardi's making. I didn't think it was all that interesting a story. The other part of it, though, is that it always speaks to me is the culture of the team. And, you know, the team has to collectively believe you are making a decision – to put you know, those guys in position to win week after week after week. And I think the expectation in the Patriots locker room is Bill Belichick's going to do that. So whatever decision he makes, it's not about safety. It's not about, you know, whatever. It's about winning the game one, week one against the Dolphins. And that's what they're going to do. Agreed. Scartelli, um, did you take anything away from uh, Lombardi's comments? It's, a, it's just a, it's a commonsensical thing. The idea that um, they're going to go with uh, what's going to give them the best uh, best chance to uh, you know do their put their best effort out on the field. I think we uh, discussed uh, a couple of weeks ago or last week the whole idea of Cam being uh, definitely the starter weeks one and week two, and then uh, after that, who knows what can happen? Just with the uh, just with the matchup and the physicality and the lack of hitting and so forth. So uh, I can I can. I can wrap my brain around that. I, if you if you watch the game on uh, Thursday, you saw that Cam played well and that um, and that uh, Mac played well, and the the incumbent advantage is uh, is on uh, is on Cam for having you know run the offense after a fashion last season. Cam knows he has to do better, Scartelli. He knows he has to do better. Um, the thing that I that I would like to point out before I throw it to you, Shaq, is that. Uh, Cam is not shown, they're not showing, I should say, in the preseason that he is a he is absolutely devastating with his ability to make plays on the move and run the ball, and they haven't ruled that out at all yet. So, Shaq, uh, your, your thoughts on Lombardi's comments? You just, you, you, it's, it's like you took the words right out of my mouth because I was just about to say that his pocket movement was the best I think I've seen of him as a Patriot. And he was stepping into his throws, he was decisive, he, his throws had some zip on it. It's the best I've ever seen him. And the fact that Matt looked good as well, 
is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. If first you have world problems. First, first world problems. And but to me, I'm reading his reading uh, Lombardi's comment, and it's like, oh, how do you renew his confidence? I don't, I don't think I've necessarily subscribed to that attitude. No, of, I agree. Oh, you bent this guy. If you, if you're a, especially a quarterback and you can't handle any type of adversity, then you're not the quarterback that you should be looking towards to play in the future. So, particularly I, not I, a quarterback who played for Nick Saban and now Bill Belichick. Right. I, I'm not exactly. as worried about that. Exactly. So. Yeah. So if if but if but any type of quarterback, you you have to have that type of metal in you. And if you don't have that, if, then you have the like say for example Vince Young, like the the yeah. littlest type of adversity, he just wilted down like a like a, a a cheap suit, and he couldn't handle the pressure. And when you're in the pros, you're gonna have to do deal with that type of thing. So, but like you said, with with the uh, the championship experience that Matt Jones has being from Alabama and now being with the Patriots with this type of an organization, I think that he'll have enough so that when that time does come that he has to start, if there's any type of adversity, I think that he'll be able, he'll have the team around him to rally around him, yep. but he'll also have the confidence in himself to be able to uh, rebound from any type of struggles he might have. And for all the stuff that we get that, that, Cam gets about, you know, his on-field performance, as he should. Mm -hmm. um, you can't deny that his locker room presence is huge. And I think that's partly the, the reason that he's back for this year is because that his stability in the locker room is very important, especially with guys like Julian Edelman gone. He's he's a guy that, that I think Belichick is looking towards uh, putting, putting that onus on him to lead. And so... Again, it's first world problems. I think that this is a good situation for him to be in, and I think that I don't, I don't think we have to worry about any of that. I think that it's it's going to sort itself out eventually. John, you had some thoughts. Yeah, you know, I like your point, Shaq, about the adversity, and and you know, to be a great professional athlete, you have to be strong enough to overcome adversity. The the thing I love about Mac Jones is, and and this is you know, again, the Brady comparison. I can't help but make it the amount of adversity overcome early in your career, right? Before getting to this point, you know, Mac Jones didn't have anything given to him. He stayed around in Alabama. He competed for that job, ultimately winning that job. A lot of people didn't think he'd win that job. He beat out like the number one recruit in the country to be the starter last year. Right. And, you know, I think that speaks really well to Mac Jones. I think the guys that I would worry about are the guys and, and these guys exist, which is amazing to me to think about it, but a guy like Trevor Lawrence or maybe a guy like Trey Lance who's never experienced adversity in their entire – as best I can tell. You know, Trevor Lawrence has won everywhere, won all the time, right? I mean, he's like two losses in his high school career and two losses in his college career. I mean, just remarkably accomplished. And you get the sense that he's never failed at much of anything. Well, he's going to fail in the NFL. And how he bounces back – and you know, your point about Vince Young, I think, is a good one. You think about Trevor Lawrence. Like, when did Vince Young fail? right? Like Vince Young failed for the first time probably in his life in the NFL and Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance. And, you know, I mean, those guys may be in that same sort of cat, you know, category, how they bounce back, I think is an interesting question. I think Mac Jones, my guess has experienced plenty of failure, plenty of, you know, not winning the job. Um, so his ability, I think, you know, I would, again, like, like the Brady sort of thing. Um, it just makes me, makes me hopeful uh, on that. 
I would agree that Mac Jones has experienced failure because he's in the presence of, of Boston Sports Media Daily. So that <laughs> has to count for something. Scartelli, um, does Ben Volan trolling the, his alleged globe audience by going down to Tampa and breathlessly reporting on the Bucks and Brady, does that move the needle at all for you? I'm going to uh, quote uh, Chad Fenn and just say, knock it off. It's a legitimate <laughs> uh, reason to go down there. He's our national football correspondent he covers the whole league bro and there's a great deal of uh great deal of interest in the bucks for obvious reasons good lord it's it listen i i opine that he should just stay the hell down in tampa's um shack um volan it's a never-ending race to the bottom between the competing dummies volan and bedard and volan took a a half step a half a mittens lead by going down to Tampa and breathlessly reporting like, wow, everything's over by 11 a.m. Way to work, way to work, Bull. That globy work ethic coming through. Yeah, it, it seemed like he's, I mean, the way it came out, his tweets, just thread after thread, picture after picture of him gushing over, uh, the super, taking pictures of Super Bowl champions, da 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 da, da. It's like, it, it's a market you don't cover. Uh, I mean, it's not like Miami, where I can understand that because, well, he used to cover for the Dolphins, which, again, send him, take him back, Miami, please, please. for our sake. But um, it seems like he is just a, a giant troll. I mean, taking threat after – that's what I think galled a lot of people. And, I mean, it, it seems transparent to me that he, it was coming through and, you know – What's to expect with John Henry's newspaper that, you know, you're trolling Patriots fans because that's what you do when you work for the Boston Globe. But, yeah, it's just lazy at best. I mean, you know, uh, driving around in a golf cart, you know, like Bruce Arians does. Right? Refreshing. It's, right? it's refreshing. It's, 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 so, it's so great, right? Why, why, can't you, why can't you be like Dan Campbell and, and, and uh, <laughs> cut, a, cut a player while, he, while he's hurt? Oh, Belichick already did that, right? Oh, no, but that. But it's cool for it's cool for Dan, Dan Campbell to do that anyway. Well, Ben Volan is a dummy troll trolling poorly. Uh, I know it doesn't. John doesn't like to throw a lot of of heat at these dummies, but uh, go ahead, John, just wrap it up here on Volan. <laughs> it was it, it really was just trolling, and that's that's what bothered me about it. It wasn't like it's it got to be some sort of inside joke with his buddies. Like, watch me set off Patriots fans with these tweets, right? And I hate the fact that I kind of fall for it, that, you know, talking about it, I guess it's kind of fallen for it. But I guess I'll point out a couple. Shaq mentioned, what, what do you refer to Arians in the golf cart as like the greatest <laughs> thing ever? I mean, yeah. he's, he's such a child. Like, like his troll, it's just, he's such a, like this grown he's a up child. He's a simpleton. He's Ralph he, Wiggum he, he, with he a really notebook. And, and he really is. And really is. The laziest, the laziest tweet, the laziest tweet is all done with practice and interviews by 11 a.m. Covering the Bucks is a dream. Un unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And then the other one, he he had this like breathless tweet about Gronk working on his craft off on the sidelines, you know, as if like the greatest tight end of all time is just now working. I mean, how do you be the greatest tight end of all time and not have been working on your craft for the last? you know, 20 years, basically your entire, you know, from childhood on. I mean, come on. It's like the 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 goofiness of it all. 
it, it, is it like finally dawning on you that Rob Gronkowski is a hard worker just because he he's got this like Gronk personality? Of course, he's always been a hard worker. He had to be to be playing for Bill Belichick, be catching passes from Tom Brady. He has to be intelligent and, you know, dedicated and disciplined and all those things. So, I mean, it just like he, he he went down there. You can imagine the meeting with his editor. Right. Assuming they still employ editors at the Globe. I'm not sure if that's true, but you can assume the meeting where it's like, I'll go down and we'll cover the Bucks. And there's so much interest in Brady and Gronkowski and they're the defending champs. And, and in reality, he's like, I'm just going to stick at the Patriots fans and breathlessly report on these guys and, and, and help them wallow in their anger that Brady is no longer with the Patriots. And that's and, and again, that's what you'd expect from John Henry's newspaper. I, I, I bookmarked this tweet from um, Jim in New England on Twitter. And I thought this hit the nail right on the head. Uh, Jim tweeted, the Yankees are John Henry's business partner. The Patriots are his rival. I don't think I can put it any more succinctly than that. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, Bingo. good way to put a bow on it. So uh, the next topic on the agenda we have is taunting. It's what we do to Boston media, but John Mara, sainted John Mara of the Giants, not a fan. The uh, taunting emphasis, what were the conversations about that among you guys? Yeah, I mean, that's something we discuss every year in the competition committee. We, we get kind of sick and tired of the, of the taunting that does go on from time to time on the field. We've tried to balance um, the sportsmanship with allowing the players to have fun, and there's always a fine line there. But none of us like to see that, and uh, it's just a question of whether you can have rules that can be enforced and without taking the fun out of the game too. But nobody wants to see a player taunting another player. I know I certainly don't. And I think the rest of the members of the competition committee feel the same way too. Scartelli, I could do that truncated. Get off his lawn. This is going to be a disaster. This these this taunting uh, edict coming down from uh, Mount uh, Takesmore uh, down there in New York. Well, there's nothing better than something as subjective as what taunting is. And another thing oh. for the uh, officials to get wrong, and thanks again, competition committee. There's, If you're a Patriots fan, nothing good comes out of the competition committee, plain and simple. It's capricious and arbitrary, so it's perfectly NFL. It's, it's uh, John, it's something that's, I, it just doesn't feel right to me. It's almost like they can, it's, I don't even know how, how to put this. It just, it's capricious, it's arbitrary, and it's a way for the game yeah. to be manipulated further, and it's gross. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> gross, my, my word. Um, it's, uh, the arbitrariness of it is what bothers me, frankly, scares me. Um, my hope is some high-profile team will get screwed in week one, uh, preferably the Giants, and, <laughs> and the, uh, the, the league will immediately de-emphasize it um, you know, there can be, you know, completely like, like helmet to helmet contact that knocks a guy out and you're standing over him, giving him the DX salute. Uh, yeah. Okay. Throw a flag on that. Right. But I mean, we've already seen it in the exhibition season where they've, they've flagged a couple guys for celebrating something and right. you know, it's, it's, it's terrible. And there's a, there's an Olympic gymnastic scoring component to this here where it's like, I can't trust what the league's going to do, right? It's completely, you know, a scam. And, and that's, and that, of course, that's the reputation the league has built for itself, right? Where why would anybody trust what the league is doing here? They're going to do it incompetently. Everybody knows it. All the fans know the league is going to do this incompetently. So here we are. But I will say this. I will say this. If, the, if they were to come out and say, 
we're going to do two things on taunting. If you signal for a first down and you don't get it, that's 15 yards. I support that. We'll call that the Michael Westbrook rule, right? And then number two, if you're, down, if, if you're down by more than three scores and you celebrate a touchdown gratuitously, that also gets a taunting penalty, right? You have to be within three scores to celebrate. I, I, will, I will go for those two things, but other than that, you know, I, I think it's a ridiculous, ridiculous rule. By the way, Miles Sanders celebrated a first down, uh, I think on the Eagles' first drive on Thursday night. And of course he gained nine yards. So I was thinking to myself, now that, that is a taunting penalty, right? There. Loss of down, loss yeah, of dignity. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I think anytime leaving in the hands of NFL officials, making them Justice Potter Stewart, who said it, it, pornography, he knows it when he sees yep. it. The same thing comes to taunting shack. It just seems like a recipe for a disaster. Yeah, th this, well, we want, that's a little inside baseball. We wanted to talk about this last week. And last week is when the, they, the NFL put out this video. And I recommend you all go watch this video uh, of what the taunting runes are going to consist of. And the two examples that they use for the taunting rules are, uh, there was a, uh, the, the uh, wide receiver for the Browns, I forget his name, but he's going, uh, he's doing like this or, you know, putting the ball down and just looking at and staring long at the cornerback. Yeah. Kind of like a, a mic drop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Jarvis Landry. Yes. If, if that's, that's who, who was doing it. Yeah. Just kind of like a mic drop. If that's a taunting penalty, then that is unbelievable. And a lot of people are going to be really upset at that. And uh, if that's what's going to be, and I know you guys remember the uh, the cornerback for the Bucks doing the peace sign to oh, yeah. Tyreek Hill. Oh, I endorsed that. I approved that, that message. Was awesome. That was yeah. awesome. But if that's a taunting penalty, that's yep. going to be terrible. But look, uh, did he get flagged in the Super Bowl for that? I think he nope. did. No, nope. he didn't. Okay. No, he didn't. And what's really weird is, you know, what is the what is the NFL? Right, the NFL's goal every season is to find the best team in the league, right, out of 32. And what does this taunting rule do for that? It doesn't do anything. I don't want, I don't want an, an NFL season determined by who taunted less or who made fun <laughs> yeah. of their team less. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want that. And, you know, as far as John Mayer is concerned, I cannot wait for the day when sexual harasser and offender Lawrence Taylor gets put into the giant circles of samurai or the hall of fame or whatever that is. So, because, you know, he has no room to talk, but you know, it seems like John Mara and, and like you said, sainted John Mara, we're all uh, bound by these comp competition committee. And it, to me, it just screams, this screams chiefs to me really, because it just seems, I don't know why it just screams people who've been beaten by the Patriots and don't like and want every type of, I don't know, maybe that's just my paranoia uh, coming to get me, but it just screams that people are just annoyed at, at yeah. uh, the fun. And uh, no fun league, but it just it, it's, it's not going to work, and it's going to be terrible. And if this happens in a playoff game, it's going to be even more catastrophic. I, I'd be surprised if that emphasis continues to the playoff, but that, that whole John Mara rants, if you could just yeah. whittle it down into a, a GIF file, would be Clint Eastwood. From Grand Torino, just yep. looking there's it going on sitting or, or, on the porch. That's all it is. Old man yells at Cloud from the <laughs> Yeah, it's, pick pick your uh, elderly meme. Um, but I, I and John Mara fits that. Go ahead, Scarcy. I don't even know how you square the circle of having the uh, Sunday night football end zone celebration cam 
Yep. And then doing this at the same time. Yep. It's it's a thousand percent true. It's the rules in opposition of each other. That's so Roger. That's so yeah. Roger. Yeah, it's God. it's a complete, it's a mess, absolute mess waiting to happen. And I really I think the best thing that can happen is some team gets sacrificed at the absurdity altar in week one. And it's it's a high profile team. God forbid, like the the Packers and Aaron Rodgers lose week one because you know somebody on that team celebrates. Uh, and gets called for a taunting penalty or something. I mean, it, it it's going to have. And then you know the the talking head shows have got forty eight hours of content, and the league will kind of quietly, you know, they'll leak something to to one of the water carriers at NFL Network, and you know they'll they'll kind of quietly de-emphasize it. Maybe this gets memory hold within you know within a week or two of the season. I'd be remiss if you just mentioned the yelling shows. I'd be remiss if uh, I didn't mention at least in passing, Max Kellerman. Welcome oh. to the cliff. Yep. Shaq, you pointed out um, the, the whole point, you know, the whole point of the NFL exercise is um, figuring out who the best team is in theory. But don't worry. The, uh, the NFL mediates, the Rappaports, the Breers, um, they've preordained the Chiefs. They preordained Mahomes as the GOAT this year, but going into the season. And I want to take us to this week's old board moment, the Boston Sports Media Watch old board moment. This is a, an email sent to me from a legendary BSMW poster, Chico, Chico Walker. Um, quote, it's January 15th, 2012. The 15 and one defending champion Packers are hosting the 10 and seven Giants who had a negative point differential in the season in the divisional round of the playoffs. Of course, the Giants wind up winning that game at Green Bay. Uh, if you walked the parking lot with this proposition, one, 10 years from now, Rodgers will still be playing on a team at the same MVP level or not better. Two, in the ensuing 10 years, he will have only two seasons impacted by major injury. Three, there will not emerge a Patriots-like dynasty in the NFC. Four, the Saints and Drew Brees will not make the Super Bowl in that time. If you gave all those conditions and said, not only will the Packers not win another Super Bowl in that time, they won't even make one what kind of odds could you get five to one ten to one and there would be a person in that crowd that wouldn't take your bet this is just something for chiefs fans to consider a thousand percent i co-signed chico it is listen i'm not going to tell you that mahomes isn't a terrific quarterback scartelli i'm not going to say the chiefs aren't a super competitive team it's hard to win we've witnessed that time and again over 20 years it's hard to win in, in that league scartelli that's exactly right and that was that was quite the uh, quite the uh, missive there from Chico Walker, and it 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 hit it hit it hits home just like you say. It's there's nothing. Uh, it's you know tough to predict the future, as uh, Yogi Berra said or something like that. But it's a uh, it's it's um, yeah. Helmet I, catches. I, I agree. Helmet catches happen. That the Malcolm Butler down the sidelines with Jermaine Curse, that shit happens. It's yeah. the future is like I, we referenced the Terminator, the movie in this. That the future is is not mapped out at this point. Injuries happen. Mahomes, God mm -hmm. forbid, Mahomes gets hurt. The collective uh, couch fainting across America with the Rappaports, et cetera, of all the Peter Schrager's. It'll it'll, it'll be <laughs> deafening. Um, Shaq, your thoughts on the preordaining of the Chiefs? To me. This is another example of the Patriots having broken the media as a whole because yes. it seems like ever since 2007, when the Patriots went undefeated until the last game, 
every team apparently now has a chance to go undefeated. You know, it, uh, it, it, and prior to 2007, because did you hear any of this uh, talk of undefeated and they're gonna they're gonna win every game? Did you hear this type of talk prior to 2007? I didn't because it was an impossible. No it seemed like it was a seemingly impossible thing, but now it's every dime. And now the Chiefs just got blown out in the Super Bowl. Do we not? Do we nine not points. Nine, nine times. Nine, nine, nine times. And and quite frankly, the Chiefs could have lost to the Patriots last season if not for, you know, a Brian Hoyer starting and, you know, a whole and the Patriots having to fly there on the day of the game. Uh, but the fact that they make predictions like these on, show, on hot take shows like this, it, it doesn't surprise me, but it's just that the gall that these guys have, especially a guy like Jeff Darlington, who I don't know, I've, I've never known him to be a hot taker, but I guess it's, again, it's another edict from the ABC Disney people or ESPN people that's telling them that you gotta have a hot take or you're not relevant on the sports media totem pole. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty stupid. And if <laughs> the, the moment they go not, the moment they lose a game, it, this, this take is going to be thrown right in his face. And it's, it's so hard to go undefeated. It's hard yep. to win games, first of mm -hmm. all, in the NFL, but it's so hard to go undefeated because it's, it's, as as we all know, go, go, the the steps to get there gets harder and harder as you go on. And now with the seventeen game season and soon to be eighteen game season, it's going to be even harder. Uh, so it it doesn't surprise me. And again, we had another example of of the Chiefs being the uh, the team that nobody can beat until they're beaten. You know the as you say the immaculate uh, intercept the immaculate incompletion. Uh, has got got another new light it's on Twitter terrible. this weekend. So yeah, that that was yeah. the this this the pass in the the nationally televised preseason game is is now in the church the Our Lady of the Immaculate Interception because a sidearm interception is infinitely more entertaining than a straight throw. Uh, getting back to Jeff Darlington really quickly, if Darlington stepped in it this week, that must mean that John was considering a vouch for him. So that's the only explanation <laughs> I could have. John, wrap it up. Wrap it up on um, the St. Patrick of Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, it's. I thought that was a great email, and he's talking about Rogers. Um, you know the the, but you could have you could you and I are old enough to I know Scarcy is as well to remember when Dan Marino was that guy. Yes, you know if you've ever watched the the. You know the replay of the Dolphins Niners Super Bowl. The um, you know the way they're talking about Marino in the fourth quarter. It's like he'll be back. You know, don't worry, he'll be back. You know, he's arguably the greatest quarterback in the league right now, and he's putting up these gaudy stats and he's running an unstoppable offense. And you know that '84 Dolphins team was was you know phenomenal. And you know, remember they were the the only team to beat the Bears in '85. Um, you know they were they were just of course the Patriots put a you know. Ass kicking on them, these, but, these stomping, curb stomping. Yeah, yeah. So the you know, so this stuff happens, and I'm old enough to remember uh, last season when Chad Hetty had to come in and and kind of bail those guys out when McCombs got knocked out with a concussion. That's right uh, against the Browns in the divisional game. Like nobody remembers that. You know, it, Tom Brady was lucky to win the Super Bowl, but. Pat Mahomes single-handedly led his team to the Super Bowl, even though he got knocked out in the third quarter of the divisional game. So, you know, I mean, things happen in the league. We've when you're when you're not 17 years old, spending all your time on Twitter, right? You you have the the kind of the 
perspective of having watched a lot of football or, or a lot of sports uh, over the course of your life, you know that random things happen and nothing's more random than an NFL playoff game. Uh, unlike some of the other leagues, you know, the NBA, you know, the best team generally emerges after seven games, right? The, the, the one and done nature of the NFL playoffs right. is, you know, it's, it's some random stuff can happen. So the, the, the initial point that, that Scarty made winning is hard. Yep. Winning is hard. And we've been, we've been deluded over 20 years to have a team that is constantly in the thick of it, winning and appearing in Super Bowls on an average of every other year, right? It's just remarkable. Nothing like it's ever been done. I think it's, it's fair to guess nothing else will, will be done like this. But the, the next great thing organization, which I guess is the Chiefs, if it's not the Bills, that, you know, they think, they think it's their time. No, it's not your time, right? Just like it was the Ravens' time uh, when, when it looked like the Patriots' dynasty was tapering off. No, it, it wasn't their time either. It was, it was always the Patriots' time over the last 20 years. And, you know, the normal, the normal like, kind of path is teams emerge and they taper off, and a new team emerges and they taper off. And that's probably what's going to happen with the Chiefs, and it's probably what's going to happen with the Bills. So, you know, can they extend it the way the Patriots did? Who would bet on that? I wouldn't. There are two things, two thoughts of mine before we, we hit uh, the last listener email. If the Chiefs get there, it'll be because they earned it and they paid the price. And kudos yeah. to them if they do. And the last point I have is flip the script. I'm going to ask a question that we all know the answer to. If you flip the script and Tom Brady is coming off a Super Bowl where he led his team to nine points, what's the narrative? It's not the same narrative that Mahomes is getting the foot rub he's getting from the national media and built it's it's cliff it always comes back to mac to max kellerman on this the, the narrative is totally different they're just the oh, the longing we, by the media really quick the longing by the media to just to have Mahomes and the chiefs ascend to this patriots void is palpable to me mike we know we know that alternate reality because that was the reality after the Rams the sec that second time in the Super Bowl when the yeah. when the Brady led offense barely scraped out 13 points right and it was the Bill Belichick defense that bailed out Brady and it proved once and for all that the greatness of Brady was really a product of the system and Bill Belichick system and quarterback and, and and like that was the narrative that was the dominant narrative coming out of that Super Bowl it was all Belichick Merely two years are. ago, merely two <laughs> years are, ago, it's, it's later, right? It's like, you know, nobody remembers this stuff, right? That's, that's one of the things I love about doing this pod is it at least allows us to like reminisce about like th that really happened. Like that, that narrative really did happen. <laughs> more ink is more virtual ink and uh, orgasmic fluid has been spilled over that incompletion in the Super Bowl than Brady's dime to Gronk in Super Bowl 53 against the Rams that set up Sony Michelle's touchdown run, which was an absolute dime. So oh, yeah. we'll leave it there. We all know the answer. I'll hit um, the last listener email um, really quick before we go to final thoughts. Uh, Vinny Jace, veteran in Titletown emailer, says that we often compare Bledsoe to Newton. Um, he always feels that Bledsoe could launch a throw beyond five yards. True. I mean, shot pulled beyond five yards if you're talking about Cam. He was more guilty of the overthrow than the underthrow. Bledsoe comes across as a tease. 
Uh, Newton strikes me as an injured quarterback who's unable to do the most basic quarterback, uh, most basic tasks a quarterback need to do. I think that's completely fair for last year. Um, it's a shame given how much I enjoyed him in Carolina. Uh, the similarity he sees between the two is they both look like an all-star quarterback. Uh, if we were to introduce football to the Greeks during the area of Socrates, he would look at them both as an athletic specimen capable of many great things. I would say much like Socrates, their time probably has passed, but um, I agree with Scartelli. We'll probably see Cam at least for the, as a starter for the early part of the season. Um, John, any, uh, let's throw it to you first for your final thoughts before we wrap up. No, not really today. I'm looking forward to the, them going up against the Giants in, in team practices and being told how they're losing day after day, and then they pummel the hell out of the Giants in the exhibition game. But you know. Let's get Dave's hopes up while having yeah. the, the Giant Reporter of the Week get Dave's so we can just crush his soul come uh, next Sunday. Shaq, your final thoughts? Um, your, your final thoughts. Go ahead. I, I just want to, again, uh, thank our lucky stars. I just want to give a, a tribute and thank our lucky stars that we have Mike Reese covering the Patriots because uh, a few days ago he had a thought on his uh, off-day off thoughts that he tweets out during the practice. And I'm just going to read the quote that he said. What are, he says, one of the questions I try to ask myself after a practice is, what are the most important things a Patriots follower needs to know about what just unfolded? Now, if every media outlet, if every, especially Patriots media outlet took that question and led with that, and let that let that dictate how their coverage is. We'd be way better off, and this podcast probably wouldn't exist. Gasper, Gasper. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no get no Gasper lighting here. So that uh, point right there is why Mike Reese is the best, and he's a true professional. And we know that he won't be dancing for the sports clan with well thought out takes like that. And yep. that's why they hate his guts and install yep. him because his integrity and his respect and his acknowledgement of who his audience is, that matters more to him than spewing any type of hot takes and, and clickbait. And so yep. I say to Mike Reese, Sue Generis. <laughs> <laughs> Abs- uh, actually serving your customers. What a unique thought. Yep. Sweet Generis. Good for Christ's sake, <laughs> Gasper. My God. Anyway, I, I, Mr. Scartelli, the floor is yours. While I'm going to hit mute while my head goes off the desk <laughs> trying to translate Latin. Go ahead, Scartelli. Okay, as the uh, New England-based representative of the Entitled Town podcast here, we've got ourselves some weather right now. I know you want to go outside and practice your uh, ball security drills and go <laughs> surfing and, you know, go out to the seawall and see the big uh, waves and all that. I... I respectfully suggest you not do that you play it safe you go and uh you, you take it easy they'll still be i know it's not uh i know there'll still be some weather out there when this thing uh when this uh podcast drops so play it safe okay the weather is uh nothing the weather can uh, do weather can do things to you that uh, you don't want to get done well well said mr scartelli my final thoughts will be simply this uh, Seattle area weather, uh, breezes up to 10 miles an hour coming off of the sound, a high of 72, mostly sunny. Um, that's from my, my friend, Mike and Woburn weather expert. Um, <laughs> the 10 day forecast has no rain highs projected to be in the seventies and lows in the night in the low fifties. So, 
Uh, John is at that John Irons. Shaq is at Atomic Dog 5150. The purveyor of the sports junk drawer. Mm. It can be uh, the15net.com. He is at Pat Scartell on Twitter. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, uh, Chico, Vinny, for the emails. Keep the feed coming. You know the email address. You know the Twitter handle. And as always, in closing, please, for the love of God, turn off your radio. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this battle.